Hello, I'm Chris. I'm Creston. And welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. Tonight is, what, July 14th? And COVID hasn't stopped sucking yet. Uh, so we're going to talk about pair programming. Um, that's going to be the, the whole focus tonight. And uh, so there's one, one important distinction I want to start with. I've always called this pair programming. I had, that's where, you know, two people get together and code in a pair. I was working with some folks and one of the guys kept calling it peer programming. And I thought, that's weird. Why, why would you call it peer programming? But okay, I get it, peer programming. But then he said, okay, well, let's also invite this guy and this girl and this guy and, and this. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is pair programming. If you have more than two people in pair programming, it's not pair programming. It's a class. It's don't a party. do that. <laughs> yeah. We're not, don't, don't, just pair programming is two people. Two. Stick with two. Although um, I will say I have been in situations and it isn't planned by any means, but like if a system is down, you get a bunch of people on a Zoom call to say, okay, what's broken? How do we fix it? Oh, sure. But that's, see, I don't call that pair programming. I call that a meeting. Yeah. Well, to yeah. me, pair programming is a specific thing. When you're is... building, yeah, the actual code. And yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to make that distinction because I have run into people who say, oh, peer programming, let's get a group of people and all code together, which I'm not saying that's a bad idea, idea, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm we're specifically talking about two people pair programming. So just just to make that straight right up front. Um, so we're going to cover why, when and how tonight on the pair, pair programming topic. And we are, um, you know, of course, along the way, going to have opinions. And audience, feel free to share your opinions, uh, because I, this is a huge topic that a lot of people do, and everybody has their own way of doing it. So this is how, this is what we think, and you feel free to share what you think. Or tell us we're dumb. It's fine. I already know I'm dumb. We're smart. <laughs> I'll take smart too. I'm a smart dummy. Smart. All right. So first of all, why pair program? Why do you think? Why would you pair program? So I, I think you've said this before, but I'm gonna I may steal some of your thunder, but when I pair when I pair with someone, I tend to always learn something new. Because somebody always knows something in in certain subject areas or, or thing, you know, there's certain things they know better. There's certain things I know better. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to learn something. It's like, oh, I didn't know there was this keyboard shortcut or, hey, I didn't know you could do this in this language or whatever. So you're always going to learn something. So there's an advantage for education in that purpose. Speaking from like a manager perspective, if, if, um, you know, if I have a team of programmers, you know, there's, depending on the organization, there's probably a fair amount of attrition, like programmers leaving, 
And pair programming is a great way to protect yourself, to have as many people as possible know the code base. For sure. So if your star programmer suddenly leaves, you're not dead in the water. You know, there's been someone who's knows what he's been working on in the past week, month, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and then another person, I'll, I'm kind of hopping around. Another one that I think of from a personal nature is that when I'm programming by myself, I always run into something that should work, but it's not working. And I know there's some stupid thing I've done somewhere and I don't know where it is and I can't find it and I'm wasting time and I'm getting frustrated. Where is it? So having another set of eyes in those situations would say, uh, you forgot the semicolon or whatever. Right. Having someone else there to avoid those situations would definitely be beneficial. And and we've even done that together a few times when, you know, we don't, we don't work for the same companies, but sometimes we'll get together and kind of pair program a little bit to work out issues that we're working on or something. Um, and it, it is helpful from both ends. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you, you bring up my big thing for pair programming has always been the protecting yourself from the hit by the bus scenario. It's the best way. And really that's protecting the organization. Well, yeah. You know, whatnot. Right. Um, it's the best way I've ever found to distribute information, um, deep code information uh, to other developers in the the team. Um, And one of the reasons I think it's so good is because as you're sitting there working through all this stuff, it's not like you report, hey, here's the changes. Because I can go look at a a, uh, PR and, and see what changes you made. But the real benefit of one of the big benefits of programming is I get to be there as we talk through why we're making those changes and why not some other change, right? Why did we make this decision? So at least two of us have real in-depth knowledge of this area and why we did this, why we made these decisions, why, you know, and I think that's important for an understanding so especially if one of those two people ends up having to be out for some length of time, sickness, accident, gets fired, quits, whatever, um, that, that's a big deal. And that has made a big difference in a number of, of occasions over my career. Um, and it's kind of funny. One of the things I was thinking about just before the show is... Really, the whole concept of this show's name, the Rubber du- Rubber Duck Dev Show, came from kind of early attempts at pair programming when you didn't have another person to talk to. People yeah. were talking to rubber ducks and kind of pair programming with a rubber duck. Um, so I just thought it was kind of funny that this is... And that concept was really interesting to me. And I think that's one of the reasons that I... I that I like the show name so much is because I really like pair programming and I think it's an important part of development. Um, and for me, and this isn't for everybody, but for me, it's fun. I like pair programming. 
Some people do it because, oh God, I got to work with another programmer. I'd rather just talk to machines. You know, there are people that just don't like the pair program. That's fine. But I, I actually like it. I enjoy it. I think it's just fun. Um, Out of curiosity, what kind of things do you like doing pair programming and what kind of things do you like doing just heads down coding yourself something are there particular tasks you like to do one versus the other well not really i i, I would say that i probably prefer pair programming in a debugging situation uh, more so than like a new feature situation. Although I, I see a lot of benefits for new feature pair programming because thinking through new features, um, talking through decisions about new features is, is very helpful. But in practice, I end up using pair programming more in debugging scenarios than in new feature scenarios. Do I like one more than the other? No. I like them differently, I think. They have kind of different... They they scratch different itches for me, but it's not like I like one more than the other. Um, so, one of the other things that I have noticed um, in, in pair programming situations and non-pair programming situations is that when I'm pair programming, my code is much more accurate because I've got somebody sitting next to me making sure that, you know, I'm putting the semicolon. I didn't misspell this thing. Yes, we're calling the right method. Um, I can't remember what this call is called. Let me work on something else and you go look this up. Tell me what the, the method name is, that kind of stuff. Um, so my code gets more accurate, which ultimately makes me, well, makes the team faster. Uh, because the further down the chain a bug is, is noticed, the more expensive in both money and time it becomes to fix it. So if we're catching bugs as soon as we're writing them by having somebody else there who's thinking through it whilst one of us is typing, it ultimately speeds up the development process. Now, there have been a lot of white papers done on this kind of stuff, but I'm just talking about experience. Every, every experience I've had has shown that to be true. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, like like when you're programming yourself and you implement some method and you get to the end and something's not working and it was working before, exactly what I was saying towards the end, you're missing something somewhere. You can't find it. And, you know, so the earlier you can catch that when you're right there, it's like, oh, duh. Shouldn't have done that. Right. And we've all, I mean, every developer is in these situations almost almost on a daily basis where, oh my God, I can't get this to work. What's going on? What's going on? And it turns out to be some stupid little thing that if you had had yeah. somebody sitting next to you, oh, you forgot to put a semicolon at the end there. <laughs> Holy crap. I just spent an hour trying to figure that out by myself, you know, and it's, and, you know, 
we've both been programming for a long time. And I don't know about you, but I still find myself in that situation, at least on a weekly basis. I do some dumb thing like that that just drives me bananas. And it turns out to be something stupid. Well, I mean, it, it always is because it's kind of like I've done this before tens of times, hundreds of times, and it should work. I've done all the steps, but I've forgotten something stupid and I don't know what it is. Right. So, all right. So from a, from not only a business perspective and a developer, from both a developer perspective and a business perspective, what were you? What would you say are the biggest reasons not to pair program? Well, I mean, from a developer perspective, if the developers aren't on board with doing it, then you shouldn't do it, or take the temperature of your development team and see how often they want to do it. <clears throat> you know, do they want to do it 100% of the time that they're coding? Do they want to do it 50% of the time or, or what is the best balance? Because maybe some developers think, hey, when I'm doing certain things, or another scenario I've seen is that some people, basically their default programming mode is not to pair but if they are gonna be tackling something that they're gonna want some help on, then they just raise their hand and, well, not wanna raise their hand, but basically raise their hand and say, hey, does anybody wanna pair with me? Mm -hmm. Cause I'm gonna be working on this thing or debugging this thing or, or whatever it is. And then someone will raise their hand and say, hey, I'll, I'll join you. I can help with that later this afternoon. Right. Um, so that's another scenario is how often, I think not to do it is, I think if it's being forced upon the developers and they're not interested in it. Right. Um, I think if it's not done effectively and you don't get the benefits of it from a management perspective, I could see it just looking at just additional cost with not benefits. Right. And I think, I mean, there's a couple of things in there that I want to kind of point out. A, you mentioned this, the, the developer not being on board. There are going to be developers that just have zero interest in pair programming. It doesn't fit their personality. They don't like it. They don't want to do that. They, they gravitated towards programming because they don't have to interact with other people very They're, much. Yeah, they can talk to machines, not people. Right. And that's, you know, that's not an uncommon thing with developers either. Um, so there are going to be cases where you may want to implement pair programming because it's good stuff, but there are going to be developers that are just not going to go after it at all. And they're going to fight it tooth and nail because they don't want to do it. I, don't push it on them because they're, they're going to end up, whether consciously, maliciously, or subconsciously, they're going to end up deep six in it because they don't want to do it. Um, so don't, yeah, don't force it on somebody who has no interest. And the other thing, the big, from the non-developer people, the non-developer management typically in most organizations where I've had blowback on this 
is because they look at it and say, why am I paying two people to do one person's job? And they're not, because they're only thinking about the time right now. They're not understanding the bigger picture of what pair programming brings to the table, which is faster, more accurate development that has much fewer bugs, so much fewer black eyes for the company and PR problems. Um, and it does end up increasing the speed of development overall. You know, I may not develop or debug this thing or develop this new feature with less man hours by pair programming, but I yeah. do shorten the development cycle overall and the cost of maintenance and debugging and all that stuff in the long haul. So that's where I've seen most of the resistance from non-developing non-developing managers non-development manager oh english come on um just say management right <laughs> from management exactly um, and that's that's what i've kind of had to overcome in some cases and sometimes you just can't and it's just sorry we're not going to pair program and that's it yeah i think Putting two people on the task, it doesn't get done twice as fast. So I think there's not a net benefit there. There is a cost with the actual time of doing it. But I think the benefits to the organization are, again, that cross-pollinization of knowledge and protecting yourself for when developers have to leave or they get sick or, you know, you don't have one person that knows how to, you know, just like if you were running a factory and Joe was the only one who knows how to fix your machine and now suddenly Joe's gone and what are you going to do? Right. So it's just having that, not one person responsible for everything gives you redundancy. Right. And there's a specific situation that, that this has both, hurt me and helped me. Um, there's a situation where, oh crap, had we pair programmed, this wouldn't be a problem. And another one where, thank God we pair programmed, so this is not a problem. And that is doing a sprint, which has a limited time frame. We've got an emergency for a customer that needs to get in there. Well, not an emergency, but it, it's a very short window of time. We need to get it done this week. And the person who in the first case, the person who developed that thing and knew everything about it was on vacation and unreachable, stuck, got nobody else that knows how to deal with it. Same kind of situation in a pair programming scenario, the person, one of the people went on vacation, well, the other person just stepped in and took care of it because they knew exactly what was going on. So there are more benefits than just how fast can I get this one ticket done? Yeah. And it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, in the short term, more expensive. But when you start looking at like the medium to the long term, that's when I think a lot of the benefits. Right. And, and I would say, and, and most of the times I've had these conversations with management, I, I'm like, yes, I can see you know, on a ticket by ticket basis, this is more expensive. But on a long term development basis, this yields far more benefits than the cost. 
in almost every case. Sometimes you're just not going to convince people of that, though. It depends on what their what their mindset is and and how they look at business. It just it, sometimes it happens. All right, so we've we've talked a little bit about this, but when do you pair program and when do you not? Even though I'm a big proponent of pair programming, there are certain times when I think it's not a good idea to do it. So, for instance, like we talked about, if you've got a developer that just does not want to do pair programming, it's just not part of their personality makeup, don't. You know, if you're assigned to work on a project with them, figure out a different way to work on it with, with chat. You know, do it through Slack or something like that. So they'll be just much more comfortable. have copious notes and your prs or whatever right explain how it works and why and what whatnot now i i'm i will say i don't think that's nearly as efficient as pair programming but there are some people that are just it's just not going to work um i think there's some other times some other situations where pair programming is not really a good idea and that is um, when, when you've got a market or client pressure and you've got more things that need doing than you have pair programming teams to do them. You need to do some individual stuff so that you can get those things out the door because product delivery is a feature and you have to do that sometimes, it, assuming you want a paycheck. So there are some conditions where you got to say, okay, pair programming is not the right thing here. Yeah, but I, I kind of going back to if you had that flexibility to for the development team or the developer person, like someone's been assigned a particular task to complete. I like the idea that even though you have to complete it faster fast well maybe they think if they could pair with someone they could get it done faster or yeah it it depends i don't know i'm just thinking about the develop, developer being able to determine when to pair a program or not even if there's this particular pressure on it's kind of like they have a responsibility to get this feature done and Maybe then the fastest way to do it is to do a pair programming session with Frank or whatever. I don't know. Right. And in fact, I just did that yesterday. Area of code that I needed to, I had to work on a ticket in an area of code that I was unfamiliar with. So I went and pair programmed with the guy that was familiar with that area of code because I knew he could give me the answers much faster than me digging through code. Um, so, yeah, and that's. There are times, though, when I've said, this guy may know more about the code than I do, but he's got something that's high pressure that needs to get done, and me pairing with him is just going to make that take longer. Well, then he can decline, for example. So sure. then, you're, then it's up to you to get, it, get her done. Right. <laughs> and it is a big communication thing. And kind of knowing when is a good idea to pair program and when it's not is an experience thing. It also has a lot to do with the culture of the workplace that you're in. 
Um, if if the CTO doesn't like pair programming and you keep doing it, probably not going to end well for you. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. Um, so you have to think about the corporate culture, too. Or, you know, if it's something they never thought about and you want to bring, bring pair programming in and the and your boss says, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's let's bring it in. Bring it in slowly. If you try to say, let's pair program all the time, every day, that'll last about a day and a half and everybody's going to burn out on it and they're going to go right back to the way they were doing things before. So you got to kind of slow walk into those those types of things because that's a it's a big culture change from somebody who from a place that doesn't do it at all to bring that in because they're not used to doing it. It's a completely different way of working, and when the pressure's on, human beings will go back to what they're comfortable with. So I have a question. I don't know if you want to address it now or later, but like, how do you get started pair programming? So one of the and, like if you're not currently doing it, what are your thoughts on how you would start? Well, so it into an organization. Yeah, so that's so yeah. Let's dig into the how because this will this will when we not only talk about the tools that you use for pair programming, but also how you implement it in different situations um, from a logistical standpoint. So. Um, pair programming, when I try to bring stuff in, uh, pair program into a situation that doesn't use it, uh, the first thing to do is kind of look at the team composition and say, A, are these people interested in pair programming and have a talk with them about it. Here are the pros and cons of pair programming. Here's how we're going to do it, how we would implement it. Is everybody on board with this? If they say yes, then you kind of need to let them pick and choose their partners and say, okay, your next ticket, I just want you to try pair programming for an hour. Just pick a partner, get together for an hour, and do pair programming. Um, whatever tool we've decided to use for it. And do that, you know after pair programming for an hour, then you guys go off and work on your own tickets. And then the next ticket you get, try it again. And at that point, after that second hour of pair programming, if you're really uncomfortable with, oh, and also the second time, do it with somebody else if you can. If you still really don't want pair programming in the organization, then let's have another convo team convo about it and decide whether or not we want to keep trying. But you have to do it real slow because human beings don't like change. And so if you try to just say, okay, let's spend a week just doing nothing but pair programming, that nobody's going to like it. Um, I wouldn't even like that. So, and I love pair programming. So um, you just kind of kind of, slow walk it and you have to get people to buy into it they have to understand what the benefits are because if i just say hey we're going to pair program and all you know is that just means i've got to spend my time programming explaining stuff to somebody else i just want to get my my ticket done then i'm not gonna i'm not gonna want to do it i'm not gonna understand especially if i'm a junior guy who hasn't 
hasn't been in this very long, I'm not going to understand what the benefits are down the road. So that stuff needs to be explained up front. Just yeah, I like the in. idea of you know because you know they're they're different kinds of people, like like we've said multiple you know times in the show, and I like the idea of leaving it up to the programmers. So if you want to try programming, okay, find someone to pair program with, you know, and yes, maybe you have a class, maybe you have some tools set up to get started with, and then it's like, okay, go ahead. And maybe there's a distribution, maybe someone pair programs, you know, 75% of the time, a few others do set 50% of the time. Some people do 25% of the time, and then you maybe have some zero percenters. Mm -hmm. And then it's just based upon how you like to work and how you think you work most effectively. Um, that pair programming is done. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my attitude is allow and encourage pair programming, but never force it. It's because you just that that'll go over like a lead balloon. <laughs> it's not going to work. But if, you know, management is looking to receive some of the benefits of that cross-pollinization of knowledge, then for those people who have elected not to do it, you need some other method to capture that information. Well, uh, to share what they're working on. True. And you also have to make decisions about what is your culture going to be? And is this person going to fit into your culture? If it's... I mean, I'm not saying if they won't pair program, you need to fire them. I'm just yeah. saying is if everybody wants to pair program except for this one person and pair programming is really important to how you do it. Well, maybe that's not the right person because you don't want to have to develop a whole other methodology for their knowledge yeah. documentation than everybody else's. And they're probably not going to be very happy in that situation every, anyway. They're going to feel left out. They're going to feel like an outsider. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that everybody should pair program or everybody shouldn't. You can have a mix. That's fine. But just, you know, analyze the situation and make decisions about, well, is this, are these the right people for the culture that we're trying to develop here? So, um, So let's talk about some of the tools that we've got, because there's a bazillion pair programming tools. So let's take a look at a few of them. So if you use the Atom editor, there's a plugin, Atom Pair, that allows pair programming. I don't use Atom, so I haven't used this plugin, but it looks fairly straightforward, integrates with Slack um, or HipChat. So, but you... Now, was this a... I haven't even looked at this. Is this a remote tool? Yeah, it basically basically kind of allows you to share um, control of the Atom... Oh, uh, right, right, right. ...thing, text editor. Yep. So, but you have to go through and give a session ID and get them connected and all that stuff. Okay, so... Is there... I'm assuming there's no video. No, I didn't. I, I haven't found one. It's probably just trying to share the. Yeah. IDE essentially. Uh, okay. Essentially, yes. 
Uh, same kind of thing for um, Sublime, which I use Sublime. So again, I have not used this plugin because I don't need it. And we'll, we'll get down to that later. I use Sublime and I use it for my pair programming, but I don't use this. But there is a plugin, Remote Colab, for Sublime. And apparently it works really well. You can see it hasn't been modified for seven years, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, you know, if it works, it works. Um, then there's Tuple, which is the big thing, but it's only for Mac. So I haven't, again, I haven't used it because it's only for Mac, but um, a lot of people like this. They're also releasing a Linux. They're working and yeah. will be releasing a Linux and stuff. Oh, is this it? All right. Yeah. Forgive me. The screen's a little small for <laughs> me on the screen. Um, now this isn't. This one isn't free. Twenty-five bucks a user a month. What I've heard is it's worth it. Right? People don't feel cheated by that price, so um, that's fine. Uh, there's. Uh, code anywhere which is just a cloud-based ide so there's a lot of things like this um that are kind of cloud-based ide so there's that one there's code sandbox live um code share i think is a, a one like that um and code envy is kind of like that but it's it's a open source freeware thingy uh as far as i can tell so anyway, there's a lot of online ones. Now, I've used a few of these, kind of played around with them to try uh, to implement the pair programming. And what ends up happening for me every single time is I just go back to screen sharing on Zoom or Google Meet or whichever communication tool we're using. Because every time I pair program with those and I screen share and I give remote control, I don't really see what else I need to pair program remotely. So I, I, I'm missing the point of these tools. I, I'm missing what else they're bringing to the table that I really need for pair programming. Not to mention the fact that either I have to pay for them or there's setup involved. I have to get you, get your IP address, and you have to get some some code from me. You have to, it, well, it's just more difficult. And for what? So I I don't get it. Maybe somebody can so explain that I, to me. Well, my thought is with Zoom, you each have your own copy of the code, and yes. Why are you shaking your head? Because I can give you remote control of my code and let you drive. Oh, so Zoom, you can give me the ability to type on my machine. Look at your screen and type in. Okay, well, yep. I didn't know that. That's why I don't get the point here. I, I'm I'm not when understanding. Did, how long have they been able to? I don't even know how long. Quite, have they been able quite to do a that? while. Okay. I mean, since before COVID at least because we we would for a long for years actually because we used zoom for two or three years prior to that um to do remote support stuff 
and we would take over people's machines and drive. And, you know, Google Meet does that. Um, Microsoft Teams does that. So I'm... uh, And plus you have the video chat right there built into it. It's all in one place. So I'm really confused as to the point of these things. How, How they... It still exists. Well, I, I mean, what's... Obviously, people are using them and liking them for some reason. I have not been able on my own to figure out what this buys me over just screen sharing that that is worth the extra price or hassle. You know, because between that and GitHub, I don't need. Because we can do code reviews in GitHub live. Now, to be fair, my much preferred way of pair programming is live in a room with a whiteboard. Um, that whiteboards are indispensable for well, not indispensable because COVID, but whiteboards are a huge boon for pair programming when two of you are in a room and one of you is typing and the other one can be drawing things on a whiteboard. That I, We did that all the time, and oh my gosh, we, we were able to just pound through stuff really fast. So if these give you some kind of whiteboard capability, um, that's something but i haven't found any that look like they do that now one of the other things i use is um what's it called did you say any desk yeah any desk um any desk actually has that's like a remote login thing like pc anywhere Mm -hmm. or something but any desk has a whiteboard functionality in it um, so I can actually turn my whiteboard on and draw on your screen. Like, but I mean, literally, if you if you have Zoom, I hate to say it, but if you have Zoom, you can open up a paint program. You could open up any sort of graphical tool and just do it there. Exactly. <laughs> you see my point. I don't get yeah. these tools. I just don't. And there's more than just these. So somebody's using them for something because there's a lot of them. I mean, Tuple is not, it's not like Tuple is a 80 year old program that just is hanging out there. They're still developing stuff. People are buying it, you know, pay, paying for it and stuff. And I'm hearing lots of great things about it, but I, I, I just haven't so far found anything in any of these tools that really have sold me on how they help pair programming. So, I mean, my thing for now is unless you have some specific reason to do something else, just screen share with zoom or your, your chat app of choice, whatever your company's using, cause they all have screen shares just about with remote control, at least all the big ones that I've run across do. Yeah. So I, I just, 
or even better, take your laptop and meet meet at the park downtown or something and just sit with your buddy and pair program. I mean, you know, there's no reason to make it terribly complicated. The code is complicated enough. You don't want to put barriers in front of the pair programming because if somebody isn't really sold on it and then you make it complicated, they're like, no, I don't want to put that much effort into it. You know, I could get somebody to sit down and, hey, let's get on a chat and just look at my screen and let's talk about some code. Fine. Oh, but let's let's get a... Give me your IP address. Okay, go look up your IP, your external IP address so that I can connect to this thing and then you can do this and then here's the button to do this whiteboard and here's the button to do this thing. Nobody's going to want to do that. I mean, I... Okay, look. I'm ranting, but as long as I've been doing pair programming, I do not get these tools. And maybe I'm just an old fart, but I don't I don't find a value here. I'm getting myself all worked up the more I talk about it, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the... I'm sure each of them have their place. Like, for example, if you have free ones that allow the collabs, um, that is something you can do for free, but you have inconvenience of working with it. Yeah. Some of those, you know, you have your editor, that your go anywhere editor, I can see being able to collaborate, you know, that way there's, there's benefits to that, but you're still gonna probably need something to share screen or whatnot. But then the premium offerings is presumably in some way it gives you some level, maybe it's this much, maybe it's this much, some level of convenience improvement versus Zoom. I assume. Well, I, I mean, I would assume that all of them give you something or they wouldn't exist. I'm just, right. my what I'm questioning is, is that something worth anything really? Or is it just glossy brochure, smoke and mirrors? Well, I mean, then try it. Well, I have, and, and that's I'm not what saying, I'm saying you try it, but I, I'm not saying <laughs> right. you try it. But I, I say if someone is evaluating, you know, you, you get started with Zoom, and then you can try out these tools. Right, and that's why and I if, wanted to kind of go through them. Is you know to let people know there are tools out there, and maybe that's your thing. I had a, I had a boss that that loved um, overly complicated CMRs or CRMs. I know, what's a CMR? Okay, CRMs. CRMs. He wanted all the bells and whistles and stuff. And, it, it, you know, we'd have CRMs that just did way more than we ever needed to do. And we could have made things so much simpler but he just liked having all the bells and whistles and reports and different ways to look at it and data slicing and dicing and all this stuff because that's what he liked. And that's fine. If, if you know, doing this, you know, code sandboxes in the cloud, distributed stuff is your cup of tea, knock yourself out. But from just a pair programming benefits analysis, I've never found a reason for these. I would be interested, though, in the comments, 
in hearing what your reasons are for using these, because somebody's using them. And I would like to understand why. Yeah, so I mean, it, it basically, you know, start using Zoom and you can try out these tools if you're other tools and find out what works for, for you. Right. And that's really the thing with pair programming. What works for you? There is no one way to do it. Um, there's no best way to do it. Uh, but I do think everybody should at least try pair programming at some point to see how it works for them. Whether you think you're going to like it or not, at least try it. Just like I tell my kids, hey, look, you at least got to try the food before you tell me you don't like it, right? I know broccoli looks disgusting, but at least eat it once. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. I think that's enough of me ranting about pair programming. You got any other thoughts on pair programming? Um, so there was once a, there was once, there was a book written a while ago, the mythical man month. Mm -hmm. And basically talking about the fallacy of, in terms of programming, like if you want to go faster, you just put more people in and you'll get the programs out faster. Where this book was advocating that programming was, it's been a while since I've read it, so I'm kind of going based upon my memory. But they were advocating for the concept of like an operating room. And this book was written a while ago. So it's been what, like 25 way, years ish or yeah, something? Yeah. So way before Agile was on the scene. So they were advocating more like a operating room. So you have a surgeon, so that would be your essentially programmer, and you would have all these other people supporting them as need be to get the programming task done. So that was kind of advocating for a individual approach to programming. Do you have any thoughts on kind of some of that book, because I think you said you read it at some point, but it was a while ago versus yeah, pair it's, programming. It's been a day or two since I've read it <laughs> or decade or two. Um, but yeah, it, I, and I think a, a lot of my thinking on that comes from having been in this industry for over 20 years, I've seen a huge shift in the way people programmed in the mid nineties to the way people program in 2021. And it's because in the mid nineties, we weren't doing web development. It was desktop development and it was very linear development. And there wasn't that much comparatively speaking to today, there wasn't that much in the ecosystem that we had to know as developers. Whereas today, We've got UX people and database people and framework people and serverless people and people who know Kubernetes and people who know this and people in the, the, the amount of knowledge is huge and one person yeah. can't do it. So the programming teams have had to go horizontal to do enough to do full web development. And so um, back when this book was written, 
that wasn't really a thing. And so programming was more of a vertical structure where you'd have like a junior programmer, a senior programmer, the CTO, and then the people to the on the horizontal axis were there to get the roadblocks out of the way for the programmer. But they yeah. were, you know, and they were talking about doing like the nightly builds and yeah, all the other stuff involved with that. Right, and, and that's because you know you'd have these monolithic builds into one thing. You didn't have here's this microservice here that this guy's working on, and this one that this girl is working on, and they all talk to each other and they have API endpoints. It's just I got to build this thing, and so this monolithic block of code is all there is. Um, and so it was a very different way of programming, very different architectures. And in that in in that environment, the mythical man month made sense, but it doesn't anymore because it's just the change in the nature of what programming is, especially web development. It's so horizontal with so many specializations and so much knowledge in each of those that you just can't, you can't follow those constructs anymore. Now, so let me skip to another question. Um, you were talking about pair versus peer programming. So what are the disadvantages of peer programming? And let's just say for the sake of argument, in case there's terminology differences, not two people programming, but three. Um, there, well, or four, it's not so much that there are disadvantages. It's that you need to approach it and think about it differently. Um, whenever I've had that kind of thing, and I, and I have been in those environments before where you're doing like team programming, you, you have to be a little more a little less aggressive with communication because it just gets too cluttered too fast when you've got four brains thinking instead of two, especially programmers who think real fast. Um, so you have to, you have to have somebody in there to kind of proctor things to make sure that the, oh, now you're, you now you've already thrown a wrench in things. If you're talking about Right, because what happens is if you just leave, let's say we get four program, and I'm not saying programmers can't control themselves. What I'm saying is programmers think real fast and they think about lots of different things at the same time. And that's really, really beneficial if, you're, if there's just two of you, because there's only one of you talking at a time, the other one's typing typically in pair programming. So you have very clearly defined roles for the two of you, depending on who's sitting at the keyboard. In team programming, that kind of goes out the window. And so people are, it, it, it becomes a little more chaotic and it to the point where it's not useful if you don't have somebody there that is kind of controlling the conversation like a switchboard operator for lack of yeah, a better but analogy. Then you're already, I feel like you've already lost because now you're losing all this. You're losing a bunch of efficiency due to coordination and yeah. Right. And, and it's, I, 
there are times when having multiple programmers talking about an issue is appropriate, but those are called meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I'm not saying that situation is inherently bad. I'm just saying you can't approach that situation the same way you approach pair programming. You can't just take pair programming concepts and say, oh, let's make it four people instead of two. It, it, it doesn't work well. I mean, at least I've never found it to work well. There's there's other stuff that needs to be involved. So. All right. And the last question that I had come to mind is, have you heard of, I, I know you've heard it because I mentioned it, but uh, GitHub Copilot. So what were your thoughts on GitHub's Copilot? So. It's all right. And so, this for for the audience, and I think you're bringing it up, but it's basically yeah. an artificial intelligence uh, copilot to that can help write the methods for you. <laughs> yeah. So your era AI pair programmer. So basically, they've taken our rubber duck and given it a brain. Um. <laughs> A, I, mm, okay, first of all, creepy. <laughs> but secondly, I'm not, I, I mean, I, I like to let computers do what computers do. And I think AI is, is incredibly sexy. I love AI stuff. But I don't think AI is ever going to take the place of two human beings talking about a problem because it just can't think that fast. Now, using this as a tool to help with pair programming... Well, we can think faster. Yeah, I mean, I can see I can see benefit here as a tool for pair programming in that it can help me look up things or remember methods or find things that I didn't know was there um, faster than somebody Googling through a bunch of stuff or going on to Reddit or whatever so i see benefit here but replacing your pair programming partner with an ai maybe in a hundred years that would be feasible but right now i don't see that as being really a thing i like the concept i think it's neat i mean creepy but neat um and yeah, I'm I'm interested in looking and see what it actually does, but that would require me switching my editor to VS Code, and I'm not quite ready to do that. Yeah. So, um, and this is something I want to take a look at too. It's in technical preview right now, um, GitHub Copilot, and it's a really neat concept. Um, and, and I think it would be helpful for learning, um, and I see it being a useful tool for pair programming. But... I actually don't see it. You know, they say it's your AI pair programmer. I really don't see it for use in pair programming, but I mean, for just programming in general, because like if you define, you know, if you give your definition of a method, what it's supposed to do, and if it helps build the method for you to help you move faster, maybe not type as much. I mean, maybe it knows to look at, Maybe it has. It will eventually learn the intelligence is enough enough to look at previous previous methods you've used before, mm -hmm. and it can bring up that implementation 
and then you can make the tweaks you need for this use case. And I don't know. You know, I don't think they're I think this was kind of a tongue in cheek thing. I don't think their intention yeah, yeah, was I mean, really I mean, for Yeah, I mean, you know, me. it helps drive traffic, yeah. you know, and whatnot. But. Um but I but I honestly after after having looked at this as as when you holy crap, English. <laughs> after having looked at this when you brought it up last week, um I see potential value for this in a pair programming situation uh, as helping you go even faster because now the person who's doing the searching and thinking and, and planning can do it on the stuff that really needs that instead of looking up, what's this method name? How do you implement a singleton? How do you do this thing? How have other people done this thing? This will help with a lot of that, I, I think. Now, I mean, it's at a tech preview state, so we've got very limited information right now, or at least I do. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like it could be something that's really useful. And, it, you know, like I said, I don't think AI is ever going to really replace a human being. I don't, and I don't personally think that's what their intent was. I think this was just a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. And it's cute and it's neat, and I, I get it. But... Um, well, I think the AI will replace us. The question is how long? <laughs> yeah, well, certainly not in my lifetime. Uh, not a replacement for me. I may have to shift what I do as a human being. <laughs> but that's been happening for a long time. Forever, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, don't think we're, I don't think we're anywhere close to Terminator here, so... Yeah. Everybody's safe. Uh, anyway. All right. Bump it up against the clock. So I think we're going to call it a night. I think we've ranted enough about pair programming. I hope you guys found that enjoyable, informative, and entertaining. If you did, please make sure you mash all those buttons and ding all those bells on both YouTube and Twitch. We stream every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Next week, we are talking about what was the phrase? Uh, it's basically object-oriented versus functional programming. And uh, so Creston's going to give me functional programming for dummies because I'm an OO guy. So, you know, look forward to that. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Crash Course on functional programming concepts next week and how they compare it to OO, uh, which is what I think most of us old-timers are used to. Uh or if you're a real, real old timer, you're used to that because a lot of stuff used to be functional. It's all come full circle. Exactly. <laughs> if you pull out a go-to statement, though, I'm quitting the show. All right. Hope no, you guys no comment. That. We, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for watching and have fun programming. Bye. Bye.